Being a parent is one of the hardest responsibilities a human being can ever have. No matter how you became a parent, whether it's by birth or adoption or anything else, the task is still the same. Most of us understand this truth. However, we often picture the challenging part as the beginning stages of a child's life and forget that our role as a parent is a lifetime commitment, one with many bumps in the road. There's beauty in that, but sometimes that story isn't as beautiful as it could be. Our storyteller this week pushes the envelope of the debate between nature and nurture and how it unfolds throughout the course of our lives. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm JD, and this is story number 33 of the What's Your Story podcast, Lessons from the Trenches. My name is Bob Thompson. I am 50 years old and I'm a real estate agent and live in Hampton Roads, Virginia. I don't know if I've ever, well, no, it's a lie. Um, we were just in Richmond, Virginia last year. Um, we have friends of my, of my wife um, that live there. And we brazenly took our one year of the home there <laughs> So yeah, quite, Hampton Roads wasn't quite is, running for a long trip. I was like, oh, <laughs> we've just pushed you a little bit too much. So that's not even far. Um, yeah, Hampton Roads is in. essentially Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia area. Okay. They're trying to make it all Hampton <laughs> Roads because there's multiple cities involved. You know how that goes. Yeah, um, for better or for worse. I mean, yeah. We, wife and I moved from um, Charlotte, North Carolina, which is my, where my family pretty much been for 30 years. Uh, parents grew up in New York, New Jersey. Um but when we moved to Charlotte originally, um, it was always, a, you know, it was, it was becoming like 1980s. Um, it was just becoming the banking city that it is. Um, and it kind of just blew up. And oh, they yeah. wanted to do this and they wanted to do that and they wanted to change that. And that's great. Um, but we were like, this is not what it was when we were here. So time to time to change direction. Um, so we live not too far, just live in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Okay. So, do Blue Devils close nearby to Tar Heels, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Um, so, where does your story begin then? Oh, God. Um, honestly, my story begins um, three weeks before getting married. So, or three weeks after marriage, actually. My, my now ex-wife, um, she had two younger half-brothers. Same mom, different dad. They had been mentally and physically abused by their father and were living in Texas with them. Their mother did not want them. She lived in Virginia Beach, didn't want them. So I talked to a lawyer and we discovered that we could not get custody until we got married. So we had already had a scheduled date and all of that for the marriage. Yeah. We got married. Three weeks later, we got custody of Stephen. 
Um, Stephen lived with us. His brother, Keith, came at the end of the summer. We raised them through high school, all of that good stuff. Um, I was always way closer to Stephen than I was Keith. Keith moved away very quickly and just quite honestly kind of went down his own route and followed his mother off to Montana. Um, to this day, the boys don't know that their mother didn't want them. I've never told them. There's never been any reason to tell them. And I don't talk to Stephen anyway, so it's kind of a mute point. When he came into town, he got married. He served in the Marine Corps. He did three tours. So he's got a combination of obviously PTSD from being Marine infantry and his family unit was a a complete nightmare growing up. Um, I'm very close to my father. I always tried to show Stephen how a father and son should interact with each other. Lots of love, lots of caring, lots of, you know, helping out with whatever dad needs. My father's 80 years of age and we are very close. Uh, I was also very close to my mother, but she passed away in 2009. So, Stephen gets married, has two children, gets divorced. Here's where it gets interesting. He's living in Chesapeake near us. We're watching the children all the time. These are my pride and joy. That's what I call them. Yeah. Um doing all of the grandfather stuff that you normally would do. The ex-wife has met another guy and is pregnant and wants to move to Mississippi because he's in the Navy. So she wants to leave the state with the boys. Um, Luke and Nick are their names. And they're probably three and five at this point. So we go to fight the case. I spent 30 grand of my own money to keep them in the state of Virginia. We won the case that she could not leave the state with them. We did Easter Sunday, which actually showed up in my memories here, I think like a week ago or something. If yeah, I, I was going to say that's coming, that's coming yeah. up here. Somebody's going to some be sort alerted, of right? Memories from that time period coming yeah. up. Um, And about a week after Easter, Stephen comes up to the local bar that we go to on Thursday nights where we meet our friends. So we go out for a couple hours, have a couple of drinks. Again, this is 2014. Mm. Yeah, 2014. And he pulls me aside and tells me, that he is voluntarily giving up the children and he's moving to California to live with his girlfriend. Oof. Yeah. So I reacted quite calmly over the whole thing. I mean, obviously I was in shock. Yeah. And I basically, I told him to his face. I said, if you do this, I said, I will never talk to you again. So we left the bar. I went back to my house. Steven had all of his stuff from growing up in the upstairs bedroom because basically he would stay with us. So he, like any other child, he's got his childhood stuff, you know, his Marine Corps stuff, all of that. I packed all of it up by myself, put it in the car and took it over to his house and dropped it off on his front porch. Handed him the key. I basically asked for my key and that was it. 
Because I'm sorry, so he had made the decision to do that. Is that why you packed it up? Yeah. Or you? Or oh yeah. I just right. it was I my way of like, saying we're done. If you do this, yeah. I don't want any of your stuff in my house. I don't want you to come get it later. You know, you're making, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest mistake you can possibly yeah. make. It's the worst thing you can do to these children. Yeah. And remember, I have no relationship with the ex-wife. So we're done. We're cut off. I yeah. we lose the kids like that. Yeah. And we were seeing them three or four times a week, babysitting, doing all of the grandfather activities that we would do to the yeah. fair, the museums, you name it, all of it. You know, yeah. I was actually when Nick was born. He was in Bethesda, Meredith, in the NICU unit, and I was signed in as the grandfather. I was the grandfather for all, you know, all intents and purposes. I, that's what I, that yeah. was my job. From there, so he left. We got cut off from the children. No contact at all. Because remember, we had just won that case. Yeah. $30,000. And that was the discounted <laughs> price because the Gosh. lawyer was a friend of mine. Literally, that was a discount. Um, and it destroyed, you know, the marriage from there. Like, Christine and I, we were doing okay. When, you, when you're in a situation that you're unhappy, but you're about 80% good, and you're, you don't want to rock the boat, and you're doing things the way they need to be done, I was willing to sacrifice for the children because I felt like it yeah. was important because I knew if I had asked for a divorce, it would just blow up all the worlds and I wasn't going to yeah. do that. Yeah. She started drinking even more and continued to go downhill. I just got very, very angry. Like I was mad, yeah. betrayed. Yeah. I was going to ask like, when does it start? You know, how much can you hold in? You know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a two-year-old and an eight-month-old currently. And just as soon as you mentioned, like, the kids were involved, you know, I was like, oh, man, like, when does when does the bottle just, like, the, the top just, like, pop? Um, yeah. And we never had kids of our own. We got custody of the yeah. boys when they were 14, raised yeah. them, and then we had that conversation in my early 30s, and I felt like I had done my part, and I didn't want to start over. So I got... Yeah fixed the whole nine yards, got it done. Um, and then we got to do the other half of it, which is the grandchildren part of it. Grandkids, yeah. And again, I, I, you know, treated the boys like they were my very own because in my mind, they were my very own. They were my pride and joy. If you go on my Facebook and pull old memories, you'll see, Hey, I'm out with the pride ah. and joy. That's what I call them. Yeah. Um, so for Steven to do what he did, it was a slow, it, it, it's, a combination of shock and all. I mean, it really is. It's yeah. just, I posted on Facebook like two days later and, you know, lit him up because I just, I didn't know what else to do. Then I took it down. Totally got madder and madder and just yeah. hurt. Yeah. Just, I mean, they were snatched. It was done, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I always, knew Steven had problems and we always tried to work on them and you kind of hope nurture can take over nature and 
unfortunately, the first 14 years of his life of and the military just, you know, not that there's an excuse for what he did because there's not. Those are your kids, you know. Yeah. I'm very passionate about that. I have a serious problem with deadbeat fathers and mothers. That, that I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, and yeah. I never will. So it got to the point where I literally, have you ever seen it in Idiocracy when they beat up the fax machine? Yeah. I took the printer out of the house and in front of God and everybody in the front yard, don't know why I chose the front yard, maybe because there was a sidewalk <laughs> out there. I beat the living hell out of this printer because it wasn't printer. working. I mean, I was body slamming the damn thing. It was like WWE <laughs> and I am fussing and cussing and just, you know, if I could have ripped you, it in pieces, you I have. would have, you know, and I or got as close as I could. Going on. I mean, I literally was body slamming this stupid thing over and over again. <laughs> and that's when it clicked. It was like, I got a problem because yeah. I'm just, you know, this isn't who I am. No. This isn't what I do. Yeah. So mad. So I started to secretly seek a therapist because Christine and I were having problems and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I wanted to go do this on my own. And again, I'm a dude and I'm, you know, at this point I'm 50. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm we sorry. handle things, you know? Yeah. Um, she diagnosed me with low level trauma, basically because the kids were snatched away and our whole lives were, are, were surrendered around these yeah. kids. I mean, I would yeah. work my real estate schedule around, you know, spending time with the kids. Well, we need to watch them on this day or we're going to go do this. That was my priority. I, all of my time yeah. and energy was into Went the into children. Them. I mean, you know, so it's understandable that you would be diagnosed with that. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is humbly sponsored by BetterHelp. As a holistic health coach turned mental health advocate, I know the importance of finding the right support. Why? Because I've been battling anxiety and depression for over 10 years, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with their mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. All you do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I say this all not as someone telling you to simply click on another sponsor, but as someone who's been seeing a BetterHelp therapist for the past year. I've never felt more valued, respected, and full of hope for my mental clarity than I do with each passing session with my therapist. Join the 3 million plus people, that plus being me, who have taken charge of their mental health when experience better health therapists. As a special bonus offer to listeners, you get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. Remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Um, so I started working through that. Um, and then obviously we're the conversations eventually shifted to the marriage and what needed to be done with that. And, yeah. uh, unfortunately Christine could not get over her alcohol issues. We divorced. Um, I came home one day and told her that we needed to make changes 
and she basically said she was fine with the way things are, you know, she, and she'd rather drink, you know. So I left. Um, and that was the end of that for all. And Christine actually passed away in January of 2018 mm. from liver and kidney failure from, you Man. know, the years of, alcohol, of years of drinking and all that. Man. Um, somebody asked me, you know, cause I did that, uh, American divorce stories podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he yeah. ended up centering more on the children because it was such uh, was such a weird story. I mean, call it what you yeah. want, but it is. It's different for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't have the empathy that I have in a lot of cases for other people. When somebody says, well, this is sad and uh, this is bad, you know, whatever. I, I know that's a shitty way to react to it, but, you know. It can't possibly be worse. And it, you and yeah. everybody's trauma is their own trauma. And I know that intellectually and I understand that emotionally. Yeah. Passed away and I seen him twice in two years. You know, I'm sorry to hear that, but whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I understand that. I mean, I I I I kind of prescribe to this, you know, something similar. I mean, not necessarily I don't have opportunities in my day, believe it or not, that, you know, like where that comes into play, but I do have that bar that just with me personally, like whatever happens in a day, the worst moment of my life is what I look like, look at and go, okay, where does this moment right now fit to that terrible moment? And is it coming close at all? Nope. Then I can't, I don't have the capacity to even worry about it. But if it reaches above that, which I hope never does, you know, then that kind of sends the alarm off. So I, I completely understand that. I, you know, I, that, you know, similar in the sense that like, okay, like I understand that what you're going through is not comfortable for you, but it doesn't even ring a bell, you know, for, for what's, what, what has happened to me or how, how, what has happened, you know, to me has impacted me, you know? So how do you look at it today then? Like, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you don't talk to, you don't really talk to them, so it doesn't matter, you know, but that the, the, the feelings have still, you know, got to be there for your sons, you know, we'll call it right. I mean, that's, I, I, I'm with you on that too. Like, you know, that's who cares if it's, you know, you adopted them and when you adopted them or how you had the, you know, the kids, like what matters is, is how you feel about them. Right. And here you are, you know, years later, um, they're adults, they make adult decisions, do adult things. Um, I How does it speak to his ex-wife about once or twice a year now. Like she finally came out of the woodwork and we talked. Um, he's never paid a dime of child support, doesn't call the children, doesn't do any of that. Last time yeah. I heard from him was probably 2018 when his sister died, Christine died, and I didn't hear from him. He actually went to the bar to look for me. Um, which is good. I wasn't there because you can't fight crazy, you know, cause yeah. he kind of, you know, he wanted to put it on me and all of that, blah, blah, blah. Um, his ex-wife again, she, you know, I keep up with her a little bit. I have, I don't see the kids because it's not fair to bring them back into this and then show back up. Now she's been remarried. Yeah. This is the, for the third time. Um, cause she got divorced from the second husband who ended up to be a deadbeat also. But this third guy is a proper father figure, loves the children, all of that. So I 
don't feel like it's my place to jump in the middle of all of that and confuse yeah. or whatever it may be. If the kids yeah. want to find me later on, they know where I am. Here I am. But let them have their happy family. And that's hard to do, right? I mean, you, you, it's a battle between like you know your own emotions and and what you you need, you know, on top of that. That's hard to do. But I don't have any um, control, so I don't yeah. have the emotional capital or I can't afford to expend the emotional capital to get involved, be a part of it, and then since I have no control or anything else, I could get shut down at any moment, you know, yeah. regardless. So there's nothing I can do about yeah. it. So I don't, I, I don't want to get back involved for that. I've, I've made peace with yeah. it, and I don't want to get hurt again. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like getting remarried after getting having a crappy one the first time around. You know, yeah. I'm hesitant to jump in and I don't have the patience for working things out yeah. and or stupidity on my end or her end, regardless of whose end it may be. I don't yeah. have, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put in that much time. It's going to work or it's not. And if it's not, I'm out, you know, yeah. I just don't, you know, and that's probably wrong, but it's truth. Well, but I mean, I mean, you've, you've somehow figured that out for yourself, um, that's uh, what I was going to ask. Where where do you think that comes from for you? Because I, you know, just just being on the outside, hearing a story like that, you know, it's very very easy to just, you know, place the blame on on that person or this person and feel like absolute resentment that it failed because of you and, and all those, you know, like just pointing the finger, you know, so to speak, and which is, you know, to some degree is going to happen and, and perfectly acceptable and okay. But the other end of it is, is like you said, like, you know, it, it can go both ways. Like I can make mistakes too. And, and that's, that to me, that's the hard work to realize it. Like, you know, what's the, the silly cliche saying, right? There's two to tango, yeah. you know, I mean, even as you were talking about Christine and, you know, the, the alcohol, you know, problems that she had, I mean, there's a small example right there that you could have been like, well, this is her fault. Like this fell apart because she's got this going on. Where do you think personally that comes for you that you're able to have that code switch to see that as like, that's a, a personal issue for them, but not get caught up in the fact that I'm blaming it all on them. How do you think that, where do you think that comes from for you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> You know, Christine didn't have a very good childhood, clearly, you know. Um, I, I don't think her issue would have got as bad as it did if things had been, things could have been co corrected and prevented. Yeah. Losing the boys put Christine over the top. Instead of getting therapy, instead of getting help, which I suggested, instead of perhaps maybe us both getting therapy, I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, she chose to dig deeper into the bottle. Um, yeah, I almost started to really go the other way where I basically took up my time with succeeding and trying to put my nose to the grindstone and work. That's kind of my way, yeah. you know, that's why probably why I slowly got wound up and slowly got wound up and just got angrier and madder and madder and finally exploded on that four printer, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how I, I, I guess I processed it. Um, I just, I don't have the patience or the time. Like, I don't even like to see sad stuff on the TV and all that because I don't have the emotional capital for it. And it doesn't do any yeah. good 
I can't control the situation. Yes, it's sad when people die. I get that. But I can't control that. I can't fix it. So I just, yeah. I don't want, I don't care and I don't want to know about it. I mean, it's, you know, may not be the right way to do it, but it works for yeah. me, right, wrong, or otherwise. I mean, if it's an individual I know, that's clearly different, you know. But if it's yeah. just so-and-so on the street, whatever, you know. Yeah. I, and, you know, so looking at, like, just sharing this kind of a story, you know, with that, and unique is the word I'm going to use there. You mentioned that the other podcast, like, focused on one area because it is kind of a different and not at the same time, right? I mean, certainly pieces of it that are similar. I know it took a lot to, to get to this point to share this story and you seem like somebody that is not going to say that like that it's like yeah whatever like those phrases you were just using like i don't that, like it doesn't care like it don't matter but it is challenging for you and i think that's i personally and it's not even just what i do on a daily basis like that's that's a tremendous amount of strength and vulnerability where where do you where do you see yourself going now with it but more importantly, what got you to this moment to be able to feel comfortable in sharing it? Honest to God, I don't know what got me to this point. I think maybe it's <laughs> just time. Maybe it's as yeah. I've grown and changed. And again, I am 50 and I've had my own health challenges and all of that. Um, I've kind of gotten over the point of I really don't care what anybody else thinks. So whatever. And if they like mm -hmm. it and we talk a lot about mental health, but we do it in a very bumper sticker way. So like I got we friends do. of mine on Facebook that'll be like, I need my five people that will stand up for me and they pat and, you know, and thoughts and prayers and all of that. Okay. Well, that's fine and dandy, but that's, that's not doing it much of anything in reality. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to be better on that. Number two, regardless of what happened, I did the right thing. I, it failed miserably, and I didn't know that was going to happen, but I did the right sure. thing. We got custody of those. Steven didn't know how to eat a baked potato when he showed up. That's the truth. Literally, a week into living with us, uh, Christine had made, like, baked potatoes and hamburgers or something. I don't remember. But Steven picked the potato up with his hand and went to take a bite out of it. And she's like, no, baby. We had to show <laughs> him how to cut food. Please and thank yous. All the stuff that you're supposed to grow up with and are taught. Man, yeah. I had to teach him all of that. They showed up like little savages. He had never owned a bike. Um, she even, Steven showed up with just ratty-ass clothes. I took him to Walmart the next day. Uh, he had a pair of size 7 shoes on that were falling apart. Gave him a pair of size 7s. I can't wear these. Gave him a size 8. Can't wear these. Gave him a size 9. These fit. So you mean to tell me you've been walking mm. around with shoes two sizes too small? Yeah, I guess. He had broke the one Gosh. pair he had, and his father told him, you were not getting any more. So we both had to get him glasses. Mm. Um, a ton of podiatry appointments. Now, luckily, because they were, mm, I had really yeah. good insurance, and they were under my care. I was their legal guardian, so they were covered by my insurance. Able to do that, yeah. But their ingrown toes and all of that were all messed up from years of not wearing proper footwear, you know, you know, stuff like that. They just, they, we had to, and I, and I don't regret it. What's your story is produced by me, JD with background piano music by Chad Lawson. 
The stories, though, they're all yours. And if you've got a story you want to share, I'd love to hear it. So you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that really resonated with you in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you could simply tag the show at at storysharingpod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for choosing to listen. And I look forward to hearing your story one day. Because we all have within us a story to tell. A song, yet unsung. <laughs>